This is Justin Michael Williams, and welcome to the Kingdom Podcast. This is for everyone. All beliefs are welcome here. And so it doesn't matter if you call it God, spirit, the universe, crystal, science, or unicorns. You are welcome here. This is our moment to connect to something greater. This is our moment to remember how powerful we really are. Welcome to the kingdom. We begin each session with a prayer. Let's begin. Let's dive in to our personal prayer. Hi, Lisa. Hands over the heart. God, spirit, universe, all that is, all that ever has been and all that ever will be, we thank you. Thank you for bringing this community together. Thank you for helping us here to remember the power of our own transformation. Thank you for these moments like Easter today, where we can remember that even after death, there is rebirth in all the ways in our lives that we've had to die, to be reborn, to become who we really are, that every time we go through this spirit of transformation, no matter how hard it may seem, no matter what may be coming up for us in our lives, that we may remember the power of our own resurrection and the resurrection of our, pe- of our people and of our planet. May we come together, may we rise together, and may we always be grateful that we can overcome. I invite you now into a moment of your own personal prayer. God, Spirit, Universe, all that is, all that has been, and all that ever will be, we thank you. Thank you for bringing this community together week after week after week after week. Here we are, 38 weeks in, together, rising strong. May we remember the power that is within when we step in to the darkness and the tomb of our own transformation. So it is, Ashe. Aho, salam, amen, shalom, satnam, om. Thank you. Here we are, kingdom family. Dropping into your energy here today. And I'm sitting right here in this spot for a good reason. So I'm in, I'm in actually in Philly right now for the first time ever. And in the Airbnb that I'm staying at, look at this picture that's here. <laughs> They're not colored, but I thought it wasn't an accident that there were eggs here on my Easter kingdom. And so these eggs, right? We think of, again, another symbol of birth, a num- another symbol 
of opening another symbol as we're going to keep exploring today of this moment of being in the darkness and from that darkness creating new life for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, and for the planet. And so here we are on 4-4 with 1404 and all these amazing things, you know, coming together at once. And so I wanted to read uh, one of the poems that I wrote for the kingdom originally. And I think I read this a couple weeks ago, but you know, I always like to start with this just to remind us um, of our power. And this for me was, you know, when I, when I had the idea for the kingdom, I was actually at Esalen when I had the idea for the kingdom. Those of you who were at Esalen with me this past week, you'll recognize even the video where I'm talking about and announcing the kingdom I did on the bridge. I recorded that on the bridge at Esalen. And so this short poem is one that actually like came to life. It was emerging as I was figuring out what the kingdom was and what it was going to be and what it was going to stand for. This poem is actually what kind of helped me craft the true, true meaning of this time for us together. And so the poem says this, this is for everyone, lesbian, gay, trans, bi, young, old, black, white, queer, hippie, straight, and fabulous, all are welcome. All are welcome to the magic that happens. This is not about telling you what to believe, but to connect you to something greater, to bring some relief to the struggles and the pain that carry us forward. You can't stop us because we are the warriors. We'll come together, we'll sing and we'll cry, we'll learn and we'll share as we all turn the tides. You'll learn wisdom teachings from the world's greatest lessons and connect to your power and call in your blessings. This isn't about inspiration. This is about action because only then can we break from this faction. Welcome to the kingdom, the kingdom inside. We rise together and together we shine. We rise together and together we rise. And so this, this poem for me, like writing this art, and, and for the people who know me know I don't like write a lot of poetry, I write songs, but I, I've been getting into it a little bit more. And it's so amazing to just feel the essence of what this community is for all of us to welcome us to the kingdom inside. And so it's so amazing to be here with you all. I see John is here from Esalen. Welcome to your kingdom session, brother. And today we are talking about the power of resurrection. Today, our session is on the power of resurrection. And today on Easter Sunday, on Easter Sunday, and I, I want to be very clear here. This is, an, this is really cool for me because this is my first time giving like, you know, any kind of a, a sermon of sorts, if you want to call it like that on Easter. And so I was really thinking about what is it that I want to talk about on this day, on this day that's not Christian, on this day that welcomes Christians and, and that many people who have this belief are here, but that have beliefs beyond this. So what is, what is the concept of Easter? What is this for? What do we celebrate this for in modern times? And I did 
a lot of research, honestly, to really look at what is underlying this and and what predates this and in all of the different religions and belief systems. How does this concept of resurrection come into play? How does it come into our lives? And what does resurrection actually really mean? And why is this such an important concept? I think you'll be shocked. I'm going to show you something in a moment, a little video in a moment. I think you'll be shocked to know that this concept of resurrection goes from belief to belief to belief to belief to belief. It's in like almost every faith, every religion. And so what is it about this concept of resurrection that is so important to us that it's a lesson that all religions, basically, are asking that we know. And I think those of you who've, who've been to the kingdom regularly enough know that I'll come back to this topic regularly when I look at words like this. So the word resurrection, when we look at the etymology of this, when we look at the etymology, we see resurge going back, which is where resurrection comes from, which means to rise again, to rise again, okay? And then going predating that, it's from Latin. You know, I don't know how to speak Latin, but it's, you know, resurgere, which I love these three definitions of what this word means. Rise again, to lift oneself, and to be restored. Rise again, to lift oneself, and to be restored. Now, this is really beautiful because, you know, when you look at these, this word resurge and you kind of pull them apart, you have the beginning of it, the prefix re, which means again, and surge, which is to rise. So in order for anything to rise again, to lift oneself again, to be restored again, there has to have been some kind of a fall. We can't rise again if there isn't some sort of a fall, some sort of a death. And this is the part that most of us try to avoid. This is the part that most of us try to push away these, these moments in our lives where we feel like, where the darkness, as we like to call it, comes. But again, in order for something to rise again, it has to have fallen. And so we think of the moments and the ways in our own lives in which we've fallen. We think of the moments and the ways in our own lives in which we've experienced darkness, in which we've experienced pain and we've tried to push it away. But then when we rise again, we rise again stronger, put back together, resurrected in ways that we may have not even been able to imagine for our own selves and for our own lives. And so the Easter message and this is a quote from an article that I read this morning from um, Connie Mason Michaelis. And it says, the Easter message tells us that when we experience death in any form, that there is life on the other side. Out of darkness comes life every time. And so Easter has an empowering message for all of us, whether you're Christian or not. And so I want to show you all a video that, to be honest with you, I was a little bit nervous to show you. I was a little bit nervous to show you because it's a video that I'm going to just give you a little disclaimer. 
I'm not a big fan of the tone of this video in some parts of it, okay? And so I want to just say that as a disclaimer. The tone of this video, and in some parts, I'm not a big fan of. But when I watched this video years ago, years ago, it blew my mind and it came flying into my meditation this morning. And I said, just like last week when I had to play Lil Nas X, <laughs> I said in my meditation this morning, really, really, like really spirit, you want me to play this video on Easter, you know? And so I was like, okay. So I'm gonna play this video for you. It's about six minutes long. And I want you to just notice what comes up for you. And I want to name my main intention for playing this video. First of all, my main intention is to let whatever arises, arise for you. But my second main intention for me personally of showing this video is this, is to show us that this concept of resurrection is not unique to religion at all, is not unique to Christianity at all. It's a concept that throughout human history, has been revered and looked at as a way that we can awaken something in our own souls. And so this video is going to show you a little bit of history that might surprise you to see where this concept of resurrection even comes from. The earth, nature, which we see over and over and over every season. And I can't wait to hear your responses in the comments. So I'll be here watching with you. I'll poke my little head in and I want to hear you all in the comments as you're watching this video on the history of resurrection and religion. I'll see you in six minutes. This is the sun. As far back as 10,000 BC, history is abundant with carvings and writings reflecting people's respect and adoration for this object. And it is simple to understand why, as every morning the sun would rise, bringing vision, warmth, and security, saving man from the cold, blind, predator-filled darkness of night. Without it, the cultures understood, the crops would not grow, and life on the planet would not survive. These realities made the sun the most adorned object of all time. The sun, with its life-giving and saving qualities, was personified as a representative of the unseen creator or god, God's sun, the light of the world, the savior of humankind. Likewise, the 12 constellations represented places of travel for God's sun and were identified by names, usually representing elements of nature that happened during that period of time. For example, Aquarius, the water bearer, who brings the spring rains. This is Horus. He is the sun god of Egypt of around 3000 BC. He is the sun anthropomorphized, and his life is a series of allegorical myths involving the sun's movement in the sky. From the ancient hieroglyphics in Egypt, we know much about the solar messiah. For instance, Horus, being the sun or the light, had an enemy known as Set, and Set was the personification of the darkness, or night. And, metaphorically speaking, every morning Horus would win the battle against Set, while in the evening Set would conquer Horus and send him into the underworld. It is important to note that dark versus light, or good versus evil, is one of the most ubiquitous mythological dualities ever known, and is still expressed on many levels to this day. Broadly speaking, the story of Horus is as follows. Horus was born on December 25th of the Virgin Isis Mary. 
His birth was accompanied by a star in the east, which, in turn, three kings followed to locate and adorn the newborn savior. At the age of 12, he was a prodigal child teacher. And at the age of 30, he was baptized by a figure known as Anup, and thus began his ministry. Horus had 12 disciples he traveled about with, performing miracles such as healing the sick and walking on water. Horus was known by many gestural names such as the Truth, the Light, God's Anointed Son, the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God, and many others. After being betrayed by Typhon, Horus was crucified, buried for three days, and thus resurrected. These attributes of Horus, whether original or not, seem to permeate many cultures of the world, for many other gods are found to have the same general mythological structure. Attis of Phrygia, born of the Virgin Nana on December 25th, crucified, placed in a tomb, and after three days was resurrected. Krishna of India, born of the Virgin Devaki, with a star in the east, signaling his coming. He performed miracles with his disciples, and upon his death was resurrected. Dionysus of Greece, born of a virgin on December 25th, was a traveling teacher who performed miracles such as turning water into wine. He was referred to as the King of Kings, God's only begotten Son, the Alpha and Omega, and many others. And upon his death, he was resurrected. Mithra of Persia, born of a virgin on December 25th, he had 12 disciples and performed miracles, and upon his death was buried for three days and thus resurrected. He was also referred to as the Truth, the Light, and many others. Interestingly, the sacred day of worship of Mithra was Sunday. The fact of the matter is, there are numerous saviors from different periods from all over the world which subscribe to these general characteristics. The question remains, why these attributes? Why the virgin birth on December 25th? Why dead for three days in the inevitable resurrection? Why 12 disciples or followers? To find out, let's examine the most recent of the solar messiahs. Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary on December 25th in Bethlehem. His birth was announced by a star in the east, which three kings or magi followed to locate and adorn the new savior. He was a child teacher at 12. At the age of 30, he was baptized by John the Baptist and thus began his ministry. Jesus had 12 disciples, which he traveled about with, performing miracles, such as healing the sick, walking on water, raising the dead. He was also known as the King of Kings, the Son of God, the Light of the World, the Alpha and Omega, the Lamb of God, and many, many others. After being betrayed by his disciple Judas and sold for 30 pieces of silver, he was crucified, placed in a tomb, and after three days was resurrected and ascended into heaven. First of all, the birth sequence is completely astrological. From the summer solstice to the winter solstice, the days become shorter and colder. And from the perspective of the northern hemisphere, the sun appears to move south and get smaller and more scarce. The shortening of the days and the expiration of the crops when approaching the winter solstice symbolized the process of death to the ancients. It was the death of the sun. And by December 22nd, the sun's demise was fully realized. But the sun, having moved south continually for six months, makes it to its lowest point in the sky. Here a curious thing occurs. The sun stops moving south, at least perceivably, for three days. And during this three-day pause, the sun resides in the vicinity of the Southern Cross, or Crux, constellation. And after this time, on December 25th, the sun moves one degree, this time north foreshadowing longer days, warmth, 
and spring. And thus it was said, the son died on the cross, was dead for three days, only to be resurrected or born again. This is why Jesus and numerous other sun gods share the crucifixion, three-day death and resurrection concept. It is the sun's transition period before it shifts its direction back into the northern hemisphere, bringing spring and thus salvation. However, they did not celebrate the resurrection of the sun until the spring equinox, or Easter. This is because at the spring equinox, the sun officially overpowers the evil darkness, as daytime thereafter becomes longer in duration than the night, and the revitalizing conditions of spring emerge. So there it is. <laughs> now you see why I was a little bit like, woo, okay, we're showing this on Easter. You know, here we are. And I see that many of you are asking, um, uh, I see many of you asking to find the video, so I will find the video for you. And I think one of the things that I don't like about that video is kind of the tone, you know, of this guy's thing. And the video goes, goes on and on and on and on. It's like a 27 minute video that goes through a lot of things. It's really phenomenal, actually, phenomenally done. And one of the things that this video does is it shows us very, very beautifully that this concept of resurrection, this concept of even Easter, and, you know, is not unique to the Christian faith whatsoever. It predates Christianity back to Egypt and predates that to Native American times, which we, we would, if, if all Native American and Native and indigenous cultures stuff wasn't completely destroyed, the reason why we don't have that information is because it was destroyed. And so if we had, the reason why the history of religion only goes back into European colonial and Egyptian in some of these times is because of all the indigenous cultures stuff was just demolished, you know? And, so, but what we do know is indigenous cultures all over the planet leading into Egypt, leading into whatever, these many, many of these religions and traditions and faith have this incredible, important concept of a rebirth, of a resurrection. It, you know, the intention of this and the intention of looking at all these other gods and, and other belief systems and belief structures and hear what we do at the kingdom, why I think it was really appropriate to share this is we believe here that all beliefs are welcome, you know, and we look at going from understanding the sun and the mythology around the sun and the sun setting and setting for three days and then rising again and then the son of God and Jesus and Mithra and all these different beliefs are not here to discount or discredit any of them. I want to be very clear about that. This is here to help us remember how that this concept is so important that it has been included across every divide across the entire world for us to consider. And still today, you know, as much as sometimes you'll hear people of Christian beliefs and, and different religious beliefs say things like, well, astrology is, is, you know, worshiping the devil and this and that and this, you know, all this kind of stuff. What's really fascinating is Easter, when we choose to celebrate Easter, if you, if you remember, Easter is on a different day every year. And the reason why Easter's day changes every year is because Easter always falls on the Sunday after the full moon that comes after March 21st. So even the day that we choose to celebrate this resurrection in Christian faith comes from astrology. 
because we're it depends on where the when the moon happens. And so the moon is actually what dictates when Easter is. And so this is like so amazing and so phenomenal to see that there's this connection, this cosmic connection, the organized religious connection, the spiritual connection, the connection to the earth and the stars and all of us here to remind us truly of one big thing. To really remind us of of one big thing, and I'm putting it on the screen again for us here. I just am trying to close this YouTube screen. Okay. Of this. That Easter and resurrection really means this. Life, death, and life again. Life, death, and life again. And that's what this concept is all about, okay? That's what this is all about, okay? And I want us all to remember that here at the kingdom and in all the work that we've done together, because I'm seeing the chat box and I love the way you all are participating here, that we as individuals have the power and we've learned the power here at the kingdom to name our own emotions, to claim what we feel when we're triggered and to, and to show up in a space of love and compassion and connection. Okay. And so, um, let's just continue in that way and we'll continue to show up in love. Okay. Thank you everybody. And so life, death, and life again. And this is what the concept of resurrection is really all about when we look about it. And that's because this process is the ultimate transformation. The ultimate transformation. Because it is through our dying and being reborn in our own lives, as we're doing sometimes as a society, in all the ways that we're doing, we are transforming through the death and the rebirth. And so I talk a lot about, many of you have heard me say this over and over with my little Easter eggs here, that there's a big difference between change and transformation, right? Things change all the time. This, we said this on the episode about the power of transformation with Chip Conley. Things change all the time. We change clothes, we change where we live, we change cities, we change relationships, you change your hair, we change lots of things, right? But none of those changes can ever last if we have not transformed. And what transformation requires is this exact thing that we talked about, life, death, and then life again. But we run away so often from the death part. We run away so often from the letting go. But if we don't have the letting go, then there was no Jesus coming out of the tomb. And so the question for us really becomes, you know, what are the deaths that are needing to happen in your life right now? What is needing to be let go of in, in your life right now? And when that happens, what is the rock? What is the stone that you have to push out of the way? Is it your fear? Is it your anxiety? Is it your self-doubt? As a collective, is it our inability to look at truth and come together? What is the stone that we have to push out of the way 
that we have to remove almost miraculously to become the newest version, the newest resurrected version of ourselves. I left something across the room that I want to show you guys, so hold on. So even in tarot, even in tarot cards, okay, there's this card. Many of you have had a reading with me. The judgment card. The judgment card, and you can see it. This card is the rebirth and resurrection card. So all the way from Tarot to Christianity to ancient Egypt, all the way around. Look at this. This is from Brenda Via's deck. The judgment card is the rebirth card. And you see the springtime here and the sunshine, which is, you know, really aligned with everything that we've been talking about. And so I'm going to read something to you from my uh, tarot training book that Brenda Via wrote, Brenda Rose. And it says, it's payoff for the good work that we've done through more challenging times. It's a significant awakening. It's as though we were dead or unconscious and are now awakened and conscious and things are totally different now. We have reconnected with everything in a new way, in a better way, in a more alive way. But guess what? Sometimes change can be hard. And sometimes we won't be able to celebrate and embrace the celebration right away. We may only see the challenge at first of that change. But then when we come to turbocharge it with positivity, when we remember that in these moments of hardship we're reborn, then we start this journey and get completely reborn on the other side and we can approach life in a completely new way. Okay, in a completely new way. And so this is the, the magic that we're being invited to dive into. And I'm going to take us into this a little more deeply over the next 10 minutes or so. So this morning, I read a article in the New York Times that I thought was really beautiful called, Why is Jesus Still Wounded After His Resurrection? And it says, the risen but scarred body of Christ is the ultimate signifier of divine empathy. And so I want to tell you guys something that you may not know. And I was texting my mom trying to find the pictures, but I'm traveling right now and I don't have any of them with me. So a surprise for some of you, I've really learned a lot, you know, from this story of Jesus and the passion of Christ and the resurrection and, and this whole thing. So when I was in high school, um, when I was, I guess, maybe 15, 14 or 15 or 15 and 16, you know, I was very, 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 very involved in church, like very involved in the Catholic church. I, you know, was in the choir. I was an altar boy, but most I taught catechism, youth groups, most specifically though, that I want to mention here that I completely forgot about until this morning. I just didn't even think to mention it at first is I played Jesus in our Passion of Christ play. That was a huge play. I mean, there were like 900 people at every showing of it. It was a massive thing when I was like 14, 15. I actually had mono at the time that I was playing it. It was really dramatic. And so I was I played Jesus in our Passion of Christ play and I got to literally carry a cross, a massive cross, getting like fake beaten with fake blood all over me and get risen, like literally elevated on a like high up in the church, hanging 
from across. Like I've literally done this in my, in this body, you know, as a 15 year old. And then the following year, which was so fascinating, after I played Jesus one year, I played Judas. And those of you who know the story in the Bible, you know, Judas is the one who kind of rats out Jesus and sells him, you know, for 30 pieces of gold or 20 or 30 pieces of silver, rather. And so I got to play Jesus and Judas and had to really embody this story of being crucified and being resurrected. And this, I was trying to find pictures. If I can find some pictures, I'll post them on Instagram at some point um, soon on uh, somewhere. But it's really fascinating in the robes and all, you know, and all the things. And it um, was such a big experience for me to really embody and understand what this, <laughs> John, I'm laughing at you, what this story and experience can mean for us in our own lives. And I remember then as a kid, I was really sick when I was playing Jesus. Like pretty much after the play was over, I like had to go to the hospital um, because I had gotten mono somehow. And and not from kissing. <laughs> I hope not at least. And so... The New York Times article I thought was really fascinating because it was something we had to discuss when I was playing Jesus in the play, is when I was resurrected, when Jesus was resurrected, why is there still all the wounds? Why are the holes still there? Because wouldn't you think that, you know, everything's healed and Jesus is, you know, coming back to life and has been completely healed and is going to rise up to heaven, wouldn't the wounds be gone? And the New York Times article said this amazing thing this morning that I thought was really fabulous. This is just a short quote from it. It says, the resurrection does not annihilate the old creation. It reconfigures it. I need you all to put that in. The resurrection does not annihilate the old creation. It reconfigures it. And so if you look at this concept of resurrection anywhere okay anywhere they what happens is let's just completely pull it out of religion and go to what transformation looks like in nature a butterfly right or even a big fire like we were just in big sur at esalen huge fire in big sur in the central coast burned everything down so there's the death but it's actually not gone the ashes are what actually go into the earth to create the life that is to come next. When a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, the caterpillar doesn't die completely and get let go of. The caterpillar gets reconfigured to be the next thing. And so we, in our own lives, when we talk about dying to be reborn, when we talk about being resurrected, the part of it that so many of us hold on to and don't wanna do is that complete and full letting go so that you can die to be reborn, so that you can be reconfigured. And when you're reconfigured, just like Jesus coming out of the tomb, you'll still have the scars. You'll still have the holes because those holes are what made you who you are in life again. You would not be able to be this person if it was just erasing the holes. It is not in spite of, but it is because of those holes, that pain, that fuck up, that relationship, that health diagnosis, that mistake, 
that time that you went off track, that fear, those tears. It is not in spite of, but because of those things that you are even able to be reborn and resurrected in the first place. And so this is the power. This is why the imagery and the symbolism, regardless of what belief you, system you have, no matter how much you've studied or looked at or read and what religion you followed and all the way across from India, Hinduism, you know, all the way around. It is the wounds and the willingness to die that we then gain the power to be reborn. And so I want to ask you again, there's a few steps to this process, right? There's a few steps here. So there's the life as you thought it was. Step one, somebody type that in. Step one is life as you thought it was. And then there's step two, which is the complete death, the complete letting go. And then there's step three. Step three get ready, is the resurrection, but step four might be the most important, is moving the stone from the tomb and stepping forward out into life again. If you don't remove the stone from the tomb, if you don't use that power to come back out into life again, then you just stay in the darkness. But it is in the darkness, it's in that womb, it's in that tomb that the rebirth happens in the first place. So don't run from the darkness. Let it consume you. Let it overcome you. Dive into it fully, spin around in it, twirl in it, let yourself be completely overcome by it because it will pass and you will be reborn. And so this is really important because whatever it is that we're going through in our life, whatever death we're experiencing in our own life right now, resurrection is available to us if we choose it. But in order to choose resurrection, we have to choose to die. You can't choose resurrection without dying. You can't choose to be reborn without dying. You can't choose to transform without letting go. So, all of that being said, let's dive into a short practice together, shall we? I want to invite you to place your hands over your heart just softly and close your eyes. And if you'd like to keep your eyes open, you're welcome to do that too. And I want you to very simply take a full deep breath into your heart, feeling your chest expand as you breathe and then exhale, let it go. And do that twice more, but this time when you inhale, you can let your hands come off your chest a little bit, feeling it expand. 
and then exhale, bring the hands back to the chest. One more time, inhale fully and deeply and exhale back. Hands over the heart now. And I want you to answer one question. What in your life right now needs to die so that you can be reborn? Trust what arises. You know. What in your life fully needs to die right now? Whether it's a thought pattern, a relationship, a person, a habit. What do you need to let go of so you can be reborn? And then without skipping a beat, I want you to open your eyes without reading anyone else's. Open your eyes and type it into the chat box, whatever it is that came to you, and then go back and close your eyes right away. So I want you to write it down so you remember. And then come right back, eyes closed, for the second question. Take a breath in and a breath out. And the question is, what is the stone in your own mind that needs to be removed for this new life to begin? What is the stone in your own mind that you need to remove and step through for this next chapter, this new life to begin again? And take a breath in and a breath out. And when you're ready, open your eyes and type into the chat box what the stone is. And then you can just scroll and look. I see you. I see old beliefs about love, control over things and situations, addiction, the past, my pain, my fear, my hopelessness, my fear of judgment, shame, negative thinking about what's possible for me, hiding out the belief that the best of life has passed me by and I missed out on important things. This is massive. Massive. Tyree, brother, I see you, fear. And so you know, you know what it is that you need to step in and to fully and completely be reborn. And what I truly believe, I'll tell you what I truly, truly believe, as we're jumping back into the slides here for a second, is that whatever death we experience, resurrection is available to us as we choose. And truly, this concept of Easter, 
And whatever it's been for all religions past is a way if we just save it for one day. We can't just save it for one day. It's not just for the springtime. Easter has an empowering message for all of us, whether you're Christian or not. It empowers us in this moment to take action for our lives, to really recognize when something is done, when something in your life, when it's time for it to die, so that you can let it go and be reborn. And so our power action today, I'm gonna to challenge each and every one of you, our power action for today's session is whatever that thing is that you typed in, I want you to get specific with it, specific about it. And I want you to ask yourself, okay, so some of you said fear, some of you said external validation, some of you said body shaming. I want you to get really specific and say, what is it exactly that I need to let go of? How does that show up in my life for real? Is it when I look in the mirror? Is it when I try on clothes? Is it when I, what, what is it that I actually very tangibly need to let die so I can be reborn? And then the mental work, the emotional work is moving the stone. And guess what? You'll die and be reborn again and again and again and again and again. Because this truly, truly is the real power of resurrection. This is the power of resurrection. And this is why we're here today. Not in spite of what we've been through, but because of it. And so as we close today's session, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment and think of what your golden nugget is for this session of the kingdom. What is the one thing that if you could take one thing away that I taught today, what's the one thing that you would want to learn and take away with you? And once you've thought of that one thing, I invite you to open your eyes and type that into the chat box. And most importantly today, make a commitment to share this one thing with someone you love today. Because it's through these ripples that we make waves. I see your golden nuggets coming through as we reflect on the power of resurrection and this is the kingdom y'all this is what we're here to do we're here to take these concepts and expand them beyond just one specific religion but to understand why it is regardless of what it is that we believe in what is the concept underneath that is supposed to be awakened within us because the religion and the spirituality isn't out there. It's in here. 
And so I see you life and death and life again. And it's not just one thing, it's continual and the continuing to die and be born. I see resurrection should not just be saved for Easter. Barbie, thank you. This is the best Easter I've ever had and I'm alone in your house, beautiful. Roll away that heavy stone, Magdalena. Amazing. Alton, I love all the gems you drop for us. Beautiful. I'm seeing all your golden nuggets in here. For something new to be born, something else has to die. Fully letting go, getting reconfigured. <laughs> Alton, his golden nugget meditation is going within and making his ego monkey mind quiet, not thinking about the past or future, living in the now. Now is when we set ourselves free. Beautiful kingdom. I think my takeaway that I want to make sure I end this session with is this. You cannot be resurrected without dying first. So don't skip the step. It is not in spite of your wounds that you are reborn, but it is because of your wounds that you get to choose life again. I love you, kingdom. This is Justin Michael Williams signing out. I'll meet you right here in this special next week. May you be happy. May you be free. May we all find peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to rate it or subscribe. But most importantly, to send this episode to a friend or to someone you love. The only way we're going to see change in this world is by each of us spreading messages of hope into the corners of the world where only you can reach. So send this today to someone who needs it. I'm sure they'll thank you for it. This is Justin Michael Williams, signing out. I love you, and I'll meet you right here in this special place in our next episode, where we rise together.